sorry for the delay right now. It's kind of busy. What can I get going for you? Yeah, uh, no problem. I just, you know, I'm just looking in a little bit of a hurry. After this, I got to go record a podcast about math, uh, just math. Um, but I'll take one shifty's podcast, please. All right, man. Uh, coming right up. Got to get this thing in fast. Got to get to the POS. Coming around the corner. <laughs> dude dude what are you doing don't you just say corner when you're going around a corner what no yeah when you're in a restaurant and you go around a corner you're supposed to say corner is that like a a common word in restaurants it's a pretty common word that must mean that's the word of the week welcome to shifties a podcast about colliding when running around corners if you want Listen to our math segment. You can skip way ahead. We get we break it down. We do some derivative equations, some calculus, some uh, quantum flux charts. Term I just made up. It's a real thing. Don't look it up. I don't actually think we talk enough about math on this podcast. I don't think to make we it do this either. as much of a joke as it is. But uh, whatever. The, anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you know, I don't know where the wind in my sails just went, but I totally lost that line where I was going. Uh, my name's Andrew. And I'm, my name's Joey. I'm Wallace. And this is shifties and on shifties sometimes we talk about words that are used in restaurants and put them in the segment called the word of the week you know if you as a guest or customer or person buying food if you want to say corner when going around a corner go for it it might be a little weird but usually it's a staff thing the staff would definitely laugh if you said corner and you're going around a corner if someone heard you they'd get a kick out of it it would be endearing i would enjoy it yeah although no one does no one says it at my restaurant usually Mm. we don't have any (coughs) corners though that's yeah. definitely a thing. There's been restaurants that I don't say it in, and then there's some that I do say it in for sure. Um, I think it just depends place to place sort of thing. Well, it's very practical. As we all know, there are sharper corners and tighter corners than other mm. others. And you don't want to drop a whole ton of plates on the ground <laughs> That's ever. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Yes. Sometimes people are carrying steak knives around the corner, and you don't want to get stabbed. Or, yeah, you're carrying a tray full of 15 drinks that took, like, 15 minutes to make, and uh, that's a lot of money on the floor that you then have to lick up with your tongue. It's best drop off. Yeah. Drop not as everybody. So, that's policy. the best strategy is to kind of make a little, like, make a little horseshoe shape with your tongue and then just slurp it straight up through that. Yeah. Um, I would get rags and then put the rags on the ground and soak it all up and then squeeze those into my mouth. That no, was my. They don't let you do that at my restaurant. My yeah, that's oh. cheating. Yeah, that's, that's not Zambonying, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a future word of the week, Zambonying. That's for the, the party cast. <laughs> so, yeah, corner is, uh, honestly, it's. Remarkable that we haven't covered this word yet because I'd say, aside from possibly heard, it's the most commonly used word in restaurants. It's the most ubiquitous term. It's basically mandated and understood that in a situation in which there is a dangerous corner where people are going to be moving quickly around it, you do call it out. End of story. I like to break up the monotony of corner by using different words like uh, cornucopia, corn dog, corn hole. Tony, Coroner. Tony Kornheiser. That's good. I Sometimes mean, I crash into people by the time I get that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to say it really fast. <laughs> Cornflower Blue, General Cornwallis. I could go on for a while. One, one, one shift, me and a buddy, we uh, came up with as many corn words as we could. Was corn one of them? Corn was one of them. Corn on the cob. Corn pone. Children in the corner. Corn cob pipe. That's really good. <laughs> corn, but with a K, like the band. <laughs> you just walk around blasting corn every time you have a speaker exactly you just crank it up whenever you go around a corner so yeah there's not much else really to explain about that one uh, it's pretty straightforward despite 
the fact that it's corner. It's literally not. Mm. Ah. Wow. Wow. That was, I know that wasn't that good. You know, don't patronize me. I think the math word you're looking for is like hypotenuse. Isn't that something to do with corners? That's uh, right triangles. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, corners. It's the long part of the triangle. Oh, yeah. yeah. This just became the opposite of a math cast, man. Yeah. I think the word you're looking for is a right angle. Well, I know that, but I thought there was like a fancy math word for <laughs> the it. The right angle is the opposite of the hypotenuse in a triangle. So like okay. the hi- if, if there wasn't a wall there and you didn't have to go around the corner, but you instead just traveled straight through the wall, like to the mm. dish pit or whatever, you would be traveling along the hypotenuse to get there as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Math cast. Math cast. True. Joey, I uh, heard yes. you had a busy week last week. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, this is a good rant. I reserved this one, as you guys both know, about a week ago. It's true. So here's a lesson as to why you shouldn't date your coworkers and also not date recovering addicts. This is also uh, just the tip: don't yeah. date recovering addicts and your coworkers, especially when your restaurant has a no dating your coworkers rule. Woohoo! So the two coworkers who are covertly dating in my restaurant just so happen to be the lead bartender. And the lead server. And the lead server also functions as the bar manager. Does all of the wine ordering, which is very important in an Italian restaurant. And functions vitally, vitally in the, in the restaurant. So, they've been dating covertly. Mostly been fine. And then this past week, they broke up. And the breakup caused the longtime sober lead server to fall off the wagon. And I don't want to demean or bemoan that because it's it's pretty horrible and pretty real life shitty situation uh for him and for everyone around him but taking a step back and looking at it from a selfish perspective that just it just fucks everyone in that restaurant because when somebody falls off the wagon really hard other people have to then you pick don't, them up you don't know and put them back on the wagon and the way that looks like is because let's say this wagon is just moving along, you know, it's not a stationary wagon. Sometimes it's going fast. You have to look for the person who fell off because they're mm. gone because they're just like drunk in a ditch somewhere. That's like actually that that's actually the case. And so they don't they no call no show basically every single day until they sober up again. And How many days in this case? Three days in a row. Ooh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Of course. And uh, <laughs> Sat- I mean, Saturday, really, the truth is, if you're gonna break up with your coworker, do it on like a. Tuesday afternoon. Or hopefully expect them to not Sunday. Not go crazy. Uh, the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day, right. Best day to break up. Yeah. And so we did actually track him down on that Saturday. Uh, and on that Saturday, he was woken up by phone calls two hours after his shift started saying, hey, where are you? And came into work, was promptly sent home from work for <laughs> reasons. And uh, then no call, no showed Sunday the next day. Also, on that day, the former girlfriend, who still, understandably, cares about this guy and wants him to not be dead, is very, very worried and calls out of her shift to go look for him. Because he's actually trying to find this guy because he hasn't been heard from and he wants, she wants to make sure he is not dead. And so she's distraught emotionally and mentally. I don't know if you... Yeah, I guess that, that counts for both. And The head and heart. Upon searching for him and not finding him, I believe gets drunk herself and then comes in the next day not sober and not handling things well while intoxicated at work. And then the day after that, she's... So this is Tuesday by here now? I think I'm putting events out of order here. The the, the kicker of this story, though, is that... Because the drunk thing also happened a couple times since then. But the kicker of this story is that I, Monday or Tuesday... Was it, it was Monday. It was Monday. It was Monday. 
was going to be the closing server of the restaurant, was going to get called off. It's a Monday. It was going to be a slow night. I was looking forward to it. And the lead bartender, who's also a banquet host, hostess, I suppose you could say, was going to be doing a 40-person banquet by herself. So I, knowing the situation, again, the situation which has been kept under wraps from the general manager and the owners of the restaurant, is being instead handled by the weekend hostess, myself and one other person who are doing damage control, communicating between all of these people, trying to fill the shifts without actually telling anybody what's going on. That was fun. I offer, out of empathy, to help her, at the very least, help her with the private party. I'll do all of the hard stuff. I can even take tables downstairs if I need to. You just, if you do have to come in, just kick back. Don't, you know, don't worry about too much. We won't make work stressful for you. It ended up being that we were able to have servers split the floor while I took the party by myself and she was able to not come into work, which was very, very important and needed for her. I was happy to do it for her. But that just goes to show the ripple effect of shit like this happening when you are a tightly staffed restaurant on purpose and then two of your star players go down at the same time. And then one of those star players driving home from the stadium uh, gets abducted by aliens. (laughs) That is nowhere to be found. And you're just scrambling, and also you can't tell any of the management that this is happening, and you have to make up excuses for why they're not here. Like, get ready for this, this is the last thing I'll say. Oh, hey GM, I'm sorry I couldn't. you couldn't get a hold of me. I lost my phone for three days. And my car! So I couldn't come into work. <laughs> oh, that was the no. story. He lost his oh, phone and car and couldn't come into work for three days. Because... Uh, obviously, you know, I'm just, uh, buses don't think, don't exist, and I don't know when I'm supposed to work, apparently. And Well, if he lost his phone, he wouldn't have the One Bus Away app, who is our <laughs> sponsor this... No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that was bad. And now things are better, and that's my rant. Do they both still work there? Yes. Wow. Uh, the lead server got suspended for a week, had a talking to. Uh, the problem is, he just is so important. And is also a baller server, which just goes to show that ability will get you very, very far in life and compensate for a lot of things. And also, if he did get fired, he might go to prison for violating his parole. Oh, shit. And so I think that's the other reason why me and some others were trying to manage this. It's, 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 you know, is that there's greater good at play here. Damn. <laughs> yeah, real shit. So, anyway... That's super heavy. It's some good some good life lessons to be learned there. <laughs> Don't date coworkers if you're in a very small restaurant and you're both in important positions of power. Do date your coworkers if you're in a very large restaurant and it doesn't really matter. That's my motto at least. And they yeah. don't have a rule against it. Because I believe that's true, that's the main thing. <laughs> I've dated many coworkers and I've had very few problems arise from that. Personally. Just gotta be honest and straightforward and Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully date people who won't make it awkward. And right. won't vanish for several days when you break up with them. Exactly. That's kind of just a general, just a tip for life. If you somehow are listening to this episode 24 of Shifties and haven't listened to any of the other ones, and you're like, huh, I don't care about restaurants, here's just a good life tip. Don't date people who are going to disappear for several days when you break up with them. Probably don't do that. Just a tip. Again, wow, we are loaded with tips here. So, one thing that save this guy's job really is his ability to upsell is almost like none I've ever seen before uh, and he's actually coached and mentored me a lot on this which is another reason why I was kind of trying to stick up for him 
in the sense that, okay, this table says they want this bottle of wine, this type of wine, let's say they want a Montepulciano, and then you go, okay, let me just recommend something to you really quickly. For $10 more, you know, you're going for $58 or $68 bottle. It's not that much in the grand scheme of things, but the flavors of this Montepulciano are going to be blah, 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 and it's just way better than the one you wanted, which is blah, 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 blah. Upsell, $10 more. And that is something I want to ask you guys about. So what do you guys do for upselling? What is upselling? Yeah, upselling is a bit of a dirty word, I think, in restaurants. Um, at least it's kind of got that, that perception because you think automatically, oh, you're trying to swindle me out of more of my money. Like it's generally, generally from like if you, from what I've heard, it's more thought of to be, yeah, you're trying to get more money out of me versus you're trying to provide me with a better experience. And I think that it's probably kind of 50-50. Not every server that's trying to upsell is trying to provide a better experience. They could literally just be trying to line their pockets more. So I think it's a person-to-person -person scenario as to upselling from what I've seen. It seems to me that the best way to do it is to contextualize it as upping the experience. Mm -hmm. And and I really mean that. Know your stuff well enough to know what the next upgrade level is and that will make it worth it to that person. Because if you upsell them and they don't like it, that's coming out of your pocket. Mm -hmm. I find that what I'll do sometimes is I'll try to do little sells that work better for the restaurant because I know that on like certain cuts of meat, we get better prices. For example, I will downsell someone on something that I know that we're actually going to end up having a pretty good profit margin on and then upsell them on something that I know that we have a, a better profit margin on. So if they're between like a $67 ribeye and a $50 New York, right? I'm like, oh, I'll go with the New York. It's my preferred cut, which is true. And then I'll try to sell them on this bottle of wine that we have a huge profit margin on. And I'll be like, oh yeah, spend the extra 20 bucks on the wine that you saved on your steak. And you actually will enjoy the wine too. Cause I enjoy both of th these things more. And I just know that, you know, we make good money on, off of both of these things. So I think like honesty is a part of it too. Like honest upselling, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really upsell that much. I make enough money. I tell people what I like. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. There's some servers at my restaurant. I mean, some servers at my restaurant are super good. Some of them will just tell these obnoxious stories. There's this guy who tells this really long story about the mafia and <laughs> rain getting down to the roots of the fucking grapes and bullshit. And what? I'm like, none of the parts, you're, you're like seven act story. All of the acts have nothing to do with each other. He's like, yeah, but it sells it. I'm like, what is he selling with that? The wine? Yeah, it's like this desserty wine. Yeah, and I guess he sells it, but like, I don't know. I wouldn't. I just. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it works, but I prefer to just tell people what I like and what's actually good. Then again, we have a lot of pasta, so there aren't that many upsells that you can do when you're all the food options are within eight dollars of each other. If someone's gonna order a cheap pizza, then fine, whatever. But. I do tend to try to get people to get our specials because we have like a limited number of those and I know that our owner who creates the menu really wants us to push the specials so I try to try as many of the specials as I can and tell people which ones are good so I'll do that. You have to look at it also from a restaurant perspective. So one of the perks of upselling is not just that you get more money, it is that you look better to the restaurant because every owner wants you to do it. and. I think the way to not feel seedy, like the face you were making just then when you're talking about your mafia 
wait, rainwater guy, <laughs> is that it seems like he's seedy. He, you know, he's just pandering basically to get this thing off. And to me, I also feel like that because you do feel solicitous if you're just like, oh, you told me what you want, but actually I'm gonna stop you and try to get you to spend more money. The way I do that honestly and with integrity is by telling them if I don't think they should get something because it's not going to be good, I will tell them not to get it. Mm. And I'll instead say, hey, get this thing. It's probably a higher priced item, but that's usually because our lower priced items just aren't good and not worth the price you're paying compared to the other things. Or if they get a $12 chef salad, I will honestly say, I do really enjoy the salad, but it's much, much better with the protein on it. And that's the one thing it's missing. Mm. And then people will always add chicken or fair or whatever. And that's things like that but they're honest and so i'm not th- th- to that to that effect it is enhancing the experience yeah i think one thing that's kind of changed my perspective on selling people on more expensive things um, has been the places that i work when i was serving at the old spaghetti factory you're trying to sell someone a six dollar cheesy bread and they're like fighting you on wanting to get an appetizer because like they're not trying to spend money mm-hmm. so that was a really tough place to try to sell people on things like that which they really wanted us to do because they're super corporate and they want you to try to make as much money as possible. But where I work now, people come in knowing that they're going to spend a lot of money and I know they're going to spend a lot of money and I don't feel bad trying to get them to spend more of their probably hard-earned or whatever money, maybe not even hard-earned, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they come in and if you have like a $5,000 purse, you are going to buy expensive things and you're not going to care that you're spending a hundred plus dollars on whatever it is you're getting. You balling. Yeah, exactly. You can afford it, so I will sell the shit out of everything in the restaurant to you. Yeah. We also just have so many wines, and I haven't tasted a bunch of them, because mm. there's no opportunity to taste them. And I'm not just going to fucking lie to you and tell you about this bottle of wine that's so much better than the one that you really wanted that I haven't even tried myself. You could look it up. Yeah. That's hard work, though. No one wants to do that. Yeah, I don't care about my job that much, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the research is... I think that's the part that I've done the least for my current job. We have a lot of nice wine on our wine wall. I just don't know what it is because they're not going to taste me on it because they're not going to crack open a $100 bottle, be like, all right, try this one out, now go sell it because people want to buy the bottle. They don't want to buy the open bottle. They want to have the presentation and maybe decant it and all these things. So we only have a couple of that individual bottle. So that's the hardest part, I think, of the upselling. Because food you can try all day, but the wine part, the wine knowledge is tough. One last thing I'll talk about with upselling, because it's not just, like the name implies you have X item ordered and you want to put X addition on or Y addition onto it to make it slightly pricier. Another version of upselling, you could just call it regular selling, is selling desserts or selling appetizers. Mm -hmm. And the way to fucking do that is you name an item. You don't say, do you want desserts? You say, do you want to try our best profiteroles in Seattle or any of our other desserts or can I get you a cappuccino not can I get you coffee mm. nails them especially with espresso drinks oh my god I have like a 70% hit, rate, hit ratio I'm not even kidding <laughs> I would never do that because it's obnoxious to have to go make espresso drinks and I don't have time to do it <laughs> but that is really good advice on the dessert naming specific things because yeah. if you're in an Italian restaurant and someone's like do you want some tiramisu or maybe some other dessert like Ooh, yeah, I want yeah. tiramisu. Because then you're not just thinking this nebulous concept of a million desserts yeah, like, that I eh, I don't really need to look at a dessert menu, but I want tiramisu. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. And you're not necessarily lying to them or misleading them or being like, hey, get this yeah, more expensive. You tell them the good shit. Yeah, you're man. just saying like, you know, we got tiramisu. I know you want it. And they're like, yeah. 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's true. All the tiramisu now. I know. Have we got any late night tiramisu places around here? I don't think so. We just make some after this. You know how to do that? No. Oh. <laughs> but the internet does exist. It's I bet a... it's hard. I don't know why. I just bet it's hard. Is it harder than looking up wines in your wine book? Probably. I don't want to look up yeah. wines. I want to eat tiramisu. Is it sure. misu? It's not misu. Tiramisu. How hard is the I in that? Tira. Tiramisu. Misu. Tiramisu. Tiramisu. Well, this is bobbing as he's saying that. Tiramisu. <laughs> I turned into Mario just then. My mustache got bigger. Yeah. Whoa. How did that happen? Jesus. I like that too because it's about thinking about what the customer would want as opposed to what I can get them to get. You know? Mm-hmm. It's saying, oh, I'm going to offer them this thing that I think they would like instead of, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. It's less cheap that way. And you are actually giving them a better time. They're there to spend money and have a good time. You have to go make your own uh, espresso drinks, though? Fuck no. Really? I mean, I usually do because they do take long enough that it might be faster for me to do it than for the bartender who's making also other drinks. And I can, I'm just fast at making espresso drinks at this point. Did it for a long enough time. But, uh, I don't know, it's like four bucks extra, man. It's a dollar extra in my pocket. Yeah. Just for asking a question. I saw this silly graph, infograph once about servers that upsell versus servers that don't. And it was like, oh yeah, servers that don't upsell make $30,000 a year. And and servers that do make $55,000 a year. And I was like... Man, I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but it's probably close to that. Depends on it seems Depends like on... fake math, but sure. It was old, it was the old spaghetti factory again. They loved they loved. Okay, so that that, that. would actually make sense to me, because statistically, yeah, if you sell if you get if you convince a table to buy, let's say they're gonna buy the hundred and eighty dollar wine, and you sell like, there's probably not that much of a leap to get them to the two fifty or the three hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already dropping one eighty, right? Yeah. It's not like whoa, hold on, man. I can't go too crazy now. Like, no, you're spending $180 bottles on, on $180 on 750 milliliters of liquid, right? Yeah. So that it's all it's all proportional. However, my honest estimate would be that you can get about a 20% bump in your pay hmm. based on if you can if you routinely offer specific items for desserts or specific same for that specific items for appetizers, you offer add-ons things like that or and you learn the the wine trick or if you have like a specialty soda or something that you sell when they don't like don't want any wine it's like oh we'd like try one of our dry sodas blah, blah, blah. yeah all these tricks but over time about 20 percent big bump yeah i can uh, see that i've heard that from vet from like vet servers and whatnot and then if you do the indiana jones drink swap trick as well oh i've totally done that now that's true that's 10 percent. so you're looking at a solid 30 percent so incorporate both of them oh my god okay that's one of the, mo- the greatest tricks i've ever ever heard from anybody like i do that now and people <laughs> usually some people at the table won't get it but the people who do love it it's good and then explain the movie to everyone else who hasn't seen it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so there's this guy right his name's indiana jones <laughs> name of the movie he goes and breaks into crazy old places and steals shit and there's this scene at the beginning where there's this gold thing that for some reason no one has found in like a thousand years and he's going up and he's got this bag of sand right and he sees the gold statue and he's like you know what's heavier than gold sand so i'm gonna take some of this out and swap it and then he swaps it and then everybody at the table laughs because they get it i would just pull it up on my phone and make him watch the clip or you could do that but (laughs) i also didn't 
major in theater. Or you could pull up this podcast and play me describing it oh. to them. Yeah, you should do a little timestamp in the description. Yeah, hey, that's man, don't actually... You have, don't you have other tables right now? Like, it seems like other people are kind of looking over here. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Man. This is way more important. Yeah. <laughs> they can wait. They'll be right. <laughs> ah, speaking of important things... Well, no, that was bad. That was good! Speaking was good. of important things, our nation and our, our world is in duress, guys. Under duress. Under duress, guys. Under duress, in, in distress. In distress and under, in distress. And under duress. Yes. Thank you. This is a new one we're shopping out, though. No Where's, politics. Yeah. Well, no politics. No politics. No politics. Did we come up with the third one? It's no politics, no religion, and... Something. I think it's like no personal life. No personal stuff. I don't, Maybe. I don't know. That's the whole reason you go to bars, so you can complain about your personal life to people who get paid to listen to it. Yeah. It's like therapy with alcohol. Well... Here's how this segment's going to work. We're going to talk about politics or some other type of... We're going to commit the taboo. Yeah, some other taboo subject that you shouldn't talk about in polite company, really, which might I do believe that you should talk about politics in polite company and the fact that we don't is a problem, but that's for a later in a politics segment. So the way this works is I or somebody else, but probably usually me, will be leading into a political segment, and we'll talk about a topic that is relevant and to the day and the day's events and then whenever somebody in this group is fed up with this political conversation they will say no politics and then the segment will be over and we just kind of go with it well so you have an answer to, to the no question? politics no religion oh um i looked up a thing online and it said no race but i don't know if that's entirely accurate yeah i don't know what to think about that online yeah internet don't website. talk about track in field events yeah because it's yeah. just fucking boring yeah I mean, no, seriously, no who reason. watches that? Probably people that did it in the past, and they're like, oh, yeah. I did it in the past, and it was boring. I mean, it's probably, like, former track stars. Yeah, you're right. So there's, like, 18 people who watch it. Yeah, and they're, like, still wearing their medal from the Olympics. Hey, no race, okay? <laughs> yeah, no race. <laughs> but yes, politics. All right, I'm just going to go. So tomorrow, theoretically, the Mueller report gets released. Is it not Mueller? The Mueller report gets released wow. to the public. Can't even spell it right or pronounce it right. Fuck me! I just oh, I was about to just dunk on Joey Reddit style, and then I didn't say a word right, so I guess I get dunked. He dunked on, also. on his own basket. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is kind of a big deal. We were talking earlier about how you had said, "Oh, what came out?" And there just there wasn't anything there, and it's all depressing because it's like, "Wow, oh, we're just all so hopeless and dreary," and this crisis of what of i was saying is wars. everybody just keeps making a big deal after big deal after big deal and like nothing ever happens and changes it's it's just like another in a long string of things because and this so this is why i think it's worth bringing up what politicians and pol- ever not just america but for all time are really good at is making the common man the people who are actually the ones tacitly keeping them in power abiding by whatever's going on so if nothing ever happens, that's because people are doing things to make sure that nothing ever happens. That's how you keep power in place at the most base level. And so there have been a number of things that are shady surrounding the release of this report. I'm just going to go to the first one. This dude, Bill Barr, attorney general. Do you know what the attorney general is? He's like he's like a lawyer, lawyer who like runs a whole bunch of tanks around and fights terror. He's That was sick. Uh, he's like the president lawyer. He's like lawyer president, president of lawyers. And he works in the executive branch, which is the president's branch of government. And so he was appointed like two months ago after writing a memo saying that current presidents 
can't be indicted, which means like charges pressed against them for crimes while they're president. And then after he said that, the current president appointed him to be the head lawyer. Of so the he's country. stacking his own deck. Right, stacking mm. the deck. So then, a month after that appointment, this two year long report, which has not announced an end date, ends very suddenly. Report gets turned in. Report is about 400 pages that no one has seen yet. However, Stack and Own Deck head of lawyers guy releases a memo, a shorter memo than the one he wrote by about a factor of five, MathCast, saying that, well, the report was not conclusive. Uh, it doesn't exonerate the president, but he's also not guilty of any crimes. So basically, so he didn't... it took like 10 years to make Avengers Endgame, and then this guy just watched it and was like, nah, it's not that good. And we're like, can we see it, please? And he's like, nah, trust me, it's not that good. And we're like, I kind of want to watch Avengers. That's basically it. That's exactly right. And also, DC was the one who appointed that guy. Like, DC Comics. Ooh. So it's extra shady. Yeah, exactly. There is... Because Batman's just like, no, man, I swear to God. (laughs) Avengers Endgame is terrible. Watch Justice League. It's so much better. Precisely. And so, no one's seen the report yet. And there's presumably some shady shit, because... We literally know for a guaranteed fucking fact that, like, 17 different things that are really, really shady shit did happen. And there's people, like, you know, people in jail right now, right now at this very moment, sitting in prison for crimes they committed while working for Donald Trump Mm. on Donald Trump's campaign in prison right now. But, yeah, that's why there might be something there. Okay. So, so over the past two years, Mr. Mueller, Mueller... Yeah, some, Mueller, something like that, has been snooping around, digging in, taking up the dirt, looking for, looking for shit to smear, basically, and he's that's gonna release tomorrow or by the time this podcast is released, will be released. So is this is this gonna what's this gonna do? So what technically, we... the Mueller report and this episode will be released on the same day. Yeah, technically. So basically, Which is we also are five year anniversary with my girlfriend. Yes, yeah, so it's just a hell of a day. Joey and his, his girlfriend, along with this podcast, are part of history. Essentially, is what we're saying. Right. So, what can we expect from this report? Do we just know nothing? Are we flying blind? Well, I think blind we here? can expect a pretty mixed bag of an episode. If I'm being honest, <laughs> um, it's their fourth year anniversary, fifth, fifth year anniversary. Fifth. So you know they've already had a couple. They don't have to try that hard. Mm. Mueller report, no clue, no fucking clue. I'm much more confident in my analysis. <laughs> Of the <laughs> that's uh that's pretty good that's pretty good cool, okay you gotta give me one more thought on this didn't like, that guy say no politics and that's the end of the segment there we go i walked right into that i walked right into it yeah wow i was even gonna go so you, no, no no politics um we didn't prepare a non-political off menu it's political but it's also a lot okay here's nitty gritty we're going on we're going even more off menu guys who should really be president? All right. Who we're, should? We're creating a menu. Yeah. A potential yes, president. Yes, we're <laughs> you have to pick one. Menu okay. Yeah. Tweet at us. Which? Who off of this menu? So, uh, I am not gonna go first. <laughs> but who's okay? We deep down we know politicians have failed us. The the United States government system laid down by our forefathers has failed us. It's time to burn that down. And Alex, <laughs> fill in the blank. I'm going to say Tony Hawk should yes. be our president. Yeah. Wait, why? I just think I don't have very much to back me up here. but <laughs> <laughs> I feel it, though. I feel it. But he's a really cool guy. Yeah. He's very humble. Okay. So, so far, two for two. Two for two. Um, 
he can definitely do a kickflip. Uh, for sure. Like, for, for sure, sure he could do a kickflip. Kick he could give the State of the Union just doing dope-ass skateboard tricks. Yeah, I'm imagining like, him from a half pipe. in the half pipe. Yeah, while and there's, like, a mic on each side, and every time he goes up, he's like... And another thing about America... <laughs> Rick, uh, also things are kind of in a really bad spot, but, I, but I'm actually skateboarding right now, so it's okay. I feel like his foreign policy would be super good, just because, like, if you're, you know, a political leader and you're meeting Tony Hawk... You're like, ah, oh, shit, I'm meeting Tony Hawk. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. Like Kim Jong-un meeting Donald Trump. Yeah. Kim Jong-un meeting Tony Hawk. Yeah. There we go. Right. The X Games would get so much cooler. Because it would be on the White House lawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Plus, we would just be like, hey, kids starving. Here's a skateboard. Skateboard yourself to food. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Tony Hawk. That's my... My guy. I don't know if I can top that. All right, I'll give you time to, I'll give you time to yeah. think. All right, my serious answer is there's this dude named Andrew Yang who's blowing up all of the internet. Check that guy out. For real, like, we would be in a much better place if that guy was president. Smart. Des- describe this guy to me. Give me the spark notes. Uh, running as a Democrat, but very centrist in his ideologies, the biggest thing is that he's the only candidate I've actually heard talk about the future and trying to solve problems that are going to come instead of Solving problems that are happening. Don't now. we have enough problems right now? Don't we need to solve some of those before we think about future problems? I don't agree with that mindset. No, I don't either. Some of the problems that are <laughs> happening now are symptoms of much, much greater problems to come, like mm. the wave of automation. Like the reason that Donald Trump got elected is was a bunch of blue col- blue collar people are displaced. I mean, the same fucking thing happened in the 1850s and early 1900s. We're just going through another wave of automation. Mm. People's jobs no longer being relevant. Well, guess what? That's going to happen a lot more, a lot, a lot more in the next 10 years when, like, we don't need truck drivers anymore, we don't need plant workers anymore. But you will always need people who can upsell wine. Correct. That's why you should listen to this podcast and get good at serving because it's going to be the only job left. First manager I ever had on the first day I ever worked said, if you can break into this industry, you'll always have a job because people always got to eat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a very good good point Um, until the robots come in and start upselling better than us, but... Anyway, point being, he is accounting for that and putting forth solutions that are practical, talking about what's coming. We are, we are literally going to have millions and millions of people out of work, and then we'll cite the true statistics. Like, you ask this guy, oh, what's the median income of a truck driver right now? He's like, oh, yeah, it's $68,000 a year, but by this year, it'll be $46,000 a year, and, like, all of that stuff. And he's just like, a, a, it's not even talking points. It's an actual, like, in conversation, we'll pull up different statistics about where the economy's going how it's happening and the last point this is i think the best thing he talks about is he wants to undo gdp or gross domestic product as a term of a country's success because even the guy who invented gdp thought it was a terrible term for describing country success hmm. we've been using it for a hundred years already probably outdated but for example like the his talking point is when his wife is taking care of his children at home the gdp of that is zero but that is a hard labor position that has a great amount of societal value, but GDP puts zero value on that. That's and so awesome. we need to put a different value metric in place that basically says, how is the society doing and what's quality of life like? And that's how you measure success of a society. And I think that's a really, really game-changing perspective that goes outside the, the bullshit that you're so dreary, and we're also dreary about, which is that everyone's in this fucking little bubble of talking points, and we got to bring it down. To the real world. So this guy have a pretty strong economical background, I'm guessing? Yeah, he's a foreign business owner. Okay. Foreign business owner. 
I believe he's run multiple businesses. Okay. Cool. What's the name one more time? Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang. Hmm. This guy has gone on The Breakfast Club and The Root. So, you know, like the black people talking shows and level with them. He's gone on Fox News and level with them. He went on Shapiro and level with him. Like this guy can talk to anybody and actually levels, which is pretty damn impressive, awesome. I gotta say. I have, I'll have to check him out. For sure. Uh, of course, the correct answer is my answer, which, okay, hear me out, okay? <laughs> it's got some layers, but Jack Sparrow. Now, I know Jack Sparrow is <laughs> a fantastical character who was created by fiction writers, but here's the thing. They would write the character Jack Sparrow to be the president of the United States, and Johnny Depp would keep playing him. So Johnny Depp <laughs> would full-time play the character Jack Sparrow, right? And then he would have, like, an earpiece in his ear, which he already does have people feed him his lines. Yeah. And they would just come up with ridiculous bullshit for Jack Sparrow to do. So every time there's, like, a weird situation, Jack Sparrow would just come on TV and, like, sort of haphazardly jackass his way into solving things. Right? Right, right, right. But he's yeah. got this whole team of writers who are constantly just like, okay, okay, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, blah, 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 blah. And they're just, like, frantically honing all of their collective brilliance and hilarity and ability to diffuse anything and then just someone feeds it into the earpiece and then he just is Jack Sparrow and yeah at any given moment bad shit's going down you turn the TV on and like at least Jack Sparrow's being kind of hilarious and it doesn't seem as bad you know right <laughs> or like Jack Sparrow's gotta go meet with Kim Jong-un and I don't know he just pulls a jar of dirt out or something that has Kim Jong-un's heart in it or you know maybe Vladimir Putin is doing some shady ass shit and he's like, who cares, you know? Because he's just, like, falling down the stairs or, like, you know, climbing up on the mast or something. Also, they would have to turn the White House into a boat. Like, they'd have to just add masts to it so Jack Sparrow could climb around on it. And then you would have all the people doing their actual jobs who would really run the country, which is basically what already happens. But, yeah. Would he still be dressed as Jack Sparrow? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. He's just Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, so take the rub, sweep that, sweep down Kim Jong Un's throat. That's right. Just, just grab his chin, just grab his chin, and pour the rum down his throat. See what happens. So it happens. Like, oh, that's not an act of war, mate. <laughs> you know, talk your way out of it. I don't know. So, does Johnny Depp actually get his lines fed to him by an earpiece? I heard that. That it's pretty lame. This, I don't, I don't know if this is true, but this is super hilarious. I, it was an article on the internet, so maybe it was true. But basically, Johnny Depp sued his, like, financial people because he's hella broke, and then they countersued him, and they were like, you're hella broke because you fucking don't listen to anything we say and blow your money on bullshit, like this person that he paid something like $60,000 a year to feed his lines to him through an earpiece so he doesn't have to memorize shit. Oh, my God. I know, right? I know! So is he just, like, a big idiot? Is that what Johnny Depp is? I guess so? I I don't even know, man. How broke do you think he is? How broke is hella broke? Does he have Does he have twelve dollars in his bank account? You know, <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Like, is he in danger broke? of selling his mansion? <laughs> All right, here we go. This is an article on Vanity Fair. Uh, I should have started when I read. I found the good part. So let me talk about celebrities and finance real quick because I know that Fifty Cent Fifty Cent um, declared, yeah, Mister Cent declared bankruptcy uh-huh. <laughs> um, when he wasn't actually broke. It was his assets did not weren't the actual value of his, his debt or something like that, but he wasn't broke. Mm-hmm. He still had a lot of money to his name. He just had to declare, declare bankruptcy so he could get some of his debt dropped debt, off. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's what Johnny Depp's trying to do over here by declaring or saying that he's broke. Or maybe he does just have enough money to go buy a Subway sandwich and that's it. 
<laughs> I declare bankruptcy! It's <laughs> not how that works, Michael. Exactly. That's not how that works, Mr. Scent. Declaring bankruptcy is actually a smart tool. And what's funny, I'm just going to ramble on about economics and the current state of American politics while Cold Cut's looking this up. Dude, there's some crazy shit, man. He apparently spent $5 million to shoot the ashes of his friend into the sky. Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. That wow. Hunter really? Thompson. Yeah, but, okay, so Hunter S. Thompson wanted that to happen. They were actually really good friends, the two of them. Uh-huh. Um, Hunter S. Thompson is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Acclaimed beat writer of the 60s and 70s who's also actually very into politics he followed he has a book called fear and loathing on the campaign trail 78 where he follows the bernie sanders candidate essentially of the time around and kind of records his defeat ultimately to nixon i want to say uh 78 wasn't a campaign year for president unless you're talking about maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm thinking of a different well you you could be talking about carter and reagan uh, in 80 or in 76, it was uh, Ford and uh, Ford and. He bought a $7,000 couch 72, from sorry. Keeping Up with the Kardashian set, and apparently he said that he has the noises fed to him so he can act with just his eyes. He says, quote, mm-hmm. I've got bagpipes, a baby crying, and bombs going off. What? <laughs> in, it creates a truth. Some of my biggest heroes were in silent film. It had to be behind the eyes. And my feeling is if there's no truth behind the eyes, doesn't matter what the fucking words are. So I guess apparently he doesn't have the lines fed to him. He has sounds fed to him so he can like see his emotions in his eyes. Who knows, man? Wow. Who knows? It's like it's like white noise in his head, basically. So it's it's actually harder. He's making it harder on himself. Huh. Nah, he's he's like Feeding, see, this is why he would be so great as the president. Because when all this crazy stuff's going down, right? When 9 11 Part 2 is happening and whatever crazy ass building is blowing 1822, up. 1822, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. And, uh, you know, Johnny Depp's just sitting there. Everything's going to shit around him. He's got technicians playing the sounds of bagpipes and babies <laughs> crying into his ears. Mm-hmm. So he can, like, show the real emotion through his eye acting to the American people, and that's why Johnny Depp would be the greatest, not Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow would be the greatest president of the United States. I think that's a wrap on this episode before we just go back into talking about Nixon and shit. (laughs) Or, you know what? Bonus fourth answer. We create zombie Nixon, and he can be president. He can have another shot. We can be like, you know, man, maybe we were a little harsh impeaching you. Things have gotten a little crazier. Why don't you take another swing at it? He resigned. He wasn't impeached. Yeah, fine. Trump, you got a shot, man. You got a shot to be the, the second one. And thank you for listening to Shifty's podcast about restaurants and the people who work inside of them. My name is Andrew. I've been Wallace. I've been Joey. And this has actually been a pretty decent math cast, I have to say. But there's been some serious math. It's been our pleasure. And our privilege. To serve and mathematize you.